Let us pray. Teach us your way, O Lord, and lead us on a level path. Teach us, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then we will keep them to the end. Give us understanding, and we will keep your law and obey it with all our hearts. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My glasses on. Listen for the word of God. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will, it will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us in his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Glad to see you all here this morning on this first Sunday, the season of Advent. Our gospel lesson for this Sunday in Advent is from Matthew's 24th chapter. It's a chapter in which Jesus is in conversation with his disciples. My Bible there in the bottom of the index says it's a chapter dealing with the end of the age. But Jesus is in conversation with his disciples and they've asked him a question. They wanted to know what was the sign, what was to be the sign of his coming at the end of the age. And Jesus mentions to them false teachers who lead people astray, talk of wars and rumors of wars, nations and kingdoms pitted against one another, earthquakes, famines, tribulation, betrayal, surges of wickedness, and human love growing cold. Jesus calls all these things birth pangs, signs. But He encourages his followers by saying, whoever endures to the end will be saved. So let's go a little farther uh, uh, in the chapter, starting in verse 36 through verse 44. Jesus continues, he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and swept them all away, 
so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one is taken and one is left. Watch therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the householder had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have watched and would not have let his house be broken into. And therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The word of the Lord. Advent always begins at the end. And what I mean by that is that on the first Sunday of Advent, many churches read one of the urgent-sounding gospel lessons which call on the people of God to wake up, to get ready, to be watchful, because the end of time is near or the end time is there. And so Advent begins, you see, with the second coming of Christ before it works its way week by week back to his first coming uh, just in time for Christmas. Last year on the first Sunday of Advent, it was Luke's urgent alarm, be on guard so that that day does not catch you unexpectedly. Next year it will be Mark, keep alert for you do not know when the time will come. And this year it's the passage that I read you portions of uh, a few moments ago. Watch therefore for you do not know on what day the Lord is coming. You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Whatever those words of warning may have meant to those who first heard them, they have become for Christians throughout the world an annual Advent reminder to live whatever is left of our lives as faithfully as we can because we do not have forever. Someday is going to be the last day Because even if Christ does not come, we will all certainly go. Now, biblically speaking, the people of God have waited for the consummation of history, the great day of the Lord, for thousands of years, when God will establish his peace and justice throughout the whole earth. We're familiar with talk about the end, I think, because it's the common theme sounded by the classical prophets. Isaiah, this morning, there's Jeremiah, there's Ezekiel. They all consider the subject. Most of the minor prophets also chime in. Based on such ancient sources, there appear to be some telltale signs that are to accompany the coming Son of Man on the great day of the Lord. 
Jesus himself confirmed this uh, on at least one occasion when he said to the crowds, he said, so also when you see these signs taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. The difficulty with signs, however, is that they need to be observed. And even after we've seen signs, they still require interpretation. And how can we ever be certain we have interpreted a sign correctly? And you can go all the way back to the second century and and find early Christians who misinterpreted the signs of the Lord's return. For instance, I'm reminded of some early Christians in Asia Minor at the end of the second century who were followers of a self-proclaimed ecstatic prophet by the name of Montanus. Montanus had announced the precise day when Jesus was going to come again. In anticipation, they, all, they sold all of their belongings. At the appointed time, they put on gleaming white robes and climbed a nearby mountain to await their Lord's return. Somebody misinterpreted a sign. Similar stories happened over and over and over again down through the centuries. In the 1840s, a farmer from New York State, a man by the name of William Miller, took to the pulpit and he announced that Jesus is going to come back to this earth sometime between March 21st, 1843 and March 21st, 1844. People flocked to hear Miller preach. It's estimated that his followers numbered over 50,000. They called themselves Millerites. Each day of that year brought the renewed prospect of Christ's, Christ's triumphal coming as judge. It was a feverish year of expectancy for them. But March 21st, 1844 arrived and it went and nothing happened. No return, no rapture. Somebody misinterpreted a sign. And since then, many others have come and gone with failed predictions of their own. Predicting the future has always been a popular but dubious pastime, not just among religious people. It turns out that nobody knows the future. We can make educated and, and reasonable guesses. Actuaries do that for uh, insurance companies all the time. But nobody really knows it's like Jesus said, but of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. 
When we read words in scripture, such as the end is near, or be on the ready, they're not meant to encourage us to interpret signs in order to come up with a specific arrival time for the return of the Lord. No, such words, you see, are making a theological point, an affirmation about the day of the Lord and the return of the Messiah, which is that there will occur such an event in history. And therefore, that anticipated future should have some effect on how we live in the meantime. Should affect how we live today. So right about here is the spot in the sermon where a preacher is likely to say something to the effect, well, since we don't know when the end will come, then maybe we should live each day as though it were our last day. But if you think about it, you know that's not really possible. Because living each day as though it was the last day would require a degree of intensity that none of us could sustain. We often hear it said, don't we? Maybe we've said it ourselves. Live each day as if it were the last day of your life. But even before such words have left our lips, we know good and well that if we lived each day as if it were our last, we would never get anything done. We wouldn't show up for work. We'd spend every day hugging people and saying goodbye and and tying up all the loose ends. It would never work for you and me to live each day as though it was our last day. And so it seems to me that what Jesus is suggesting is that we live each day as though someday will be our last day. For most of us, adopting that discipline would would constitute a very important change in the way we live our lives. Admittedly, to live each day as though someday will be the last day is less dramatic than living each day as though it will be the last day. But at least it is something we can actually do. In other words, our Lord's promised future return should shape our present and inform how we live. It certainly had that profound effect on generations of faithful Christians. That's why a number of New Testament writers encourage their readers to love and to prayer and to to hospitality and to share their gifts. They knew that no little good uh, kindness done, no prayer uttered, no small act of mercy performed is ever lost. They all count for something. And so if, if our highest and deepest hope 
is to live the one and only life we are ever going to have. If we are ever going to live that life with what Paul the Apostle, when he wrote to his friends in Galatia, termed the fruits of the Spirit, if we are going to live with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, and then when writing to the Philippians, Paul added truth and honor and purity and loveliness, graciousness and excellence, If we want to strive to live like that, then the first Sunday in Advent would probably be a good day to begin. Because we're reminded that someday is going to be the last day. This life is going to end. We are not going to, uh, going, uh, going to get to come around again, have a do-over, get it right the next time. As far as we know, there is no next time. The great reformer Martin Luther put it very well. When asked what he would do If he heard that Christ was coming tomorrow, Luther replied, I would plant a tree. You see, he was saying that he was going to live as though someday would be the last day. And my friends, so should we. Amen.